As Lindsay told the children, as we talk about uh, fathers today, continuing our discussion from last week, we move to the very last book in the Old Testament. This is chapter 4. The topic is about the great and terrible day of the Lord, what we would call the end or the end times. And we pick up in verse 5. See, I will send before you a prophet, Elijah, and he will come before that great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to the parents, or else I will strike and send total destruction upon the land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. It is Father's Day, 2008. In a predominantly African-American church in Chicago, the guest speaker brings these words to the congregation. If we are honest with ourselves, we'll admit that what too many fathers are is missing. Missing from too many lives and too many homes. They've abandoned their responsibilities, acting like boys instead of men. And the foundations of our families are weaker because of it. We know the statistics that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. They are more likely to have behavioral problems or run away from home or become teenage parents themselves. And the foundations of our community are weaker because of it. The speaker could have gone on and added other statistics about suicide rates and about achievement in school if they do happen to stay in. There's so much more that could have been said. And he knew it. He knew it and he knew from experience. The speaker, of course, was the future president, Barack Obama. And if you've read his autobiography, Dreams of My Father, you know that he has uh, been separated years and years from his own father. He knew of what he spoke, and he was accurate in what he said. There is clearly a correlation in our world between a breakdown of many things in society and lack of relationship with fathers. This is even over in the U.K. as well. I was reading something that happened uh, in the U.K. recently that brings this to light. It was in a prison, and the chaplain got a great idea on Mother's Day. He bought Mother's Day cards for every one of the prisoners to send to their moms. So all they had to do was fill out the card, sign it, give it back, and the chaplain would make sure it got there. More than 500 cards, and there was a near riot because they ran out. So success being uh, found on Mother's Day, he decided to repeat it on Father's Day. 500 cards he bought for the prisoners. All they had to do was fill it out, and he would send it to their fathers. Not a single prisoner sent a card. There is a plague in our world, and the plague has to do with the disconnect between parents and children. And by and large, it's fathers and their children. But mothers, please know that Malachi 4 could be interpreted not just fathers and sons, but could be parents and children. But for the most part, the breakdown seems to be in the fathers. And even the fathers who are present... Physically, sometimes have difficulties. Sometimes they're emotionally absent. Not now. I'm watching the game. 
or I'm at work, or, and sometimes they're present in very strong ways, driven ways, or abusive ways. And it leaves what many sociologists call a father wound on the heart of the young man or the young woman. What they need from their parents, especially their father, that acceptance and sense of honor and blessing is missing. Now, before I go too much further, let me tell you that sometimes the fault is not in the parents. It's not in the father. Sometimes the sons and the daughters just misinterpret. I remember being in my mid-20s, and I went to see my uh, parents, and my dad and I went out to play tennis. And when we had finished, uh, my dad asked me to stay and eat before I drove the three hours back home. And I said, well, Dad, you know, there's lots to do at the church. And he said, oh, I wish you'd stay and eat. And I said, well, Dad, okay. I, after all, I'm dispensable. And suddenly the tone changed. My dad looked at me rather sternly, put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, David, no one is dispensable. And what had been missing for more than 20 years clicked at that moment. And I realized I had all sorts of my images being one of five children that my father didn't really, wasn't really that invested in me being there or in my life. And and I realized that wasn't in his mind, that was in mine. But either way, there is often a disconnect that exists between fathers in particular and children. And the price is high on society. Now, here's the good news. The good news is this can be reversed. The good news is, I believe, uh, whatever you, uh, uh, side you come from politically, there's no question the president does an outstanding job of parenting his two daughters. Then even in the midst of the difficulties in the schedules in the White House, it is clear that his two daughters are a priority and that he is going to be present in their life. These curses can, can be changed. Uh, it is clear for many of us who have uh, gone through what we're going to go through the next 12 weeks together, thinking about our identity, uh, that we can begin to get back in touch and connected with our parents and our children in significant ways. Many of us who went through the faith-walking uh, episodes and, and process over the past year found new ways to reconnect and with parents and children. The good news is this can change. Rob Bell is a theologian and author, and he was hosting a group of people uh, for a discussion. And at some point in the discussion, the leaders and pastors in the room started slamming Joel Osteen and, and, and his theology and his message and his methods. And I suspect the real reason was they were about 20,000 people short every Sunday of what was happening in Houston. But Rob Bell made an interesting observation. He said, I don't have any problems with Joel Osteen. He is reparenting an entire generation. An entire generation grew up without hearing that they were important, that they were special, that they were significant, that they were blessed. And he fills that hole, that void. The good news is that parenting breakdowns, disconnects with our children and our parents, can be reversed and mended. Bad news is, if they're not, the price we pay starts in our individual lives. Remember last week we said that it was very hard if you started with the wrong picture of God. If you start with the picture of God as king or master and then try to come to father, you probably will never get there. And it will have devastating effects on, on your life. And the same is true Uh, That getting the wrong picture and the wrong story of God as father and the wrong story with our own children, our own parents 
has devastating effects on us individually, but also on society. We've seen that in the statistics. But here's the real bad news this morning. According to the prophet Elijah, it has devastating consequences for the way the universe plays out. For the so-called end of the world. It's a most amazing passage today. There are a lot of people that like to talk about the end of the world. And many people bought the Left Behind books. And, and that's fine. And one of the ways they try to prognosticate about the end of the world is they think about, well, Israel is now a nation together. Are, there are certain countries that will come uh, together against Israel. Uh, there's a possibility the temple could be rebuilt on the Temple Mount. And they start looking for all these things to key the end times. Elijah gives you a different way. Or Malachi gives you a different way talking about Elijah. He says, how do you know about the end? Here's what's going to happen. The prophet's going to come and the hearts of the parents are going to turn to the children. And the hearts of the children are going to turn to the parents. But if not, I will send total destruction upon the land. Tells me two very important things. That any time we are reconnected with our parents, we are reconnected with our children, reconnected with each other, that is a sign that the kingdom is coming. That is an inbreaking of the way God wants it to be. That is a reordering and a, re, um, a refurbishing and amending of society. And so it's not surprising in, in Matthew and Mark, Jesus goes on top of a mountain. It's called uh, transfiguration. What happens? Suddenly there's Moses and there's Elijah with Jesus. Jesus turns completely white. And as I told you in the announcements, because uh, the Jews believe Sukkot is the only festival that lasts forever because God says it in the scripture, Peter assumes that forever's here and he wants to build booths. And just to top it off, then God speaks and says, this is my son. I'm going to show you how big this moment is. In other words, Peter, Moses is here. Elijah is here. Fathers and sons turned to each other. Remember Fred Sanford and Sanford and Son? If he'd have been there, he said, this is the big one. I'm coming, Elizabeth. Because that's it. The sign of the kingdom. When the relationships start to turn back toward each other. Now the bad news, if they don't, total destruction upon the land. Shouldn't be surprising. This is the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land. From the very beginning, God said, it's going to all hinge on this. Are you going to honor your parents? Parents, are you going to bless your children? Society is not going to go on if you don't get that part right. And so the, the promise and the threat is get that right. It's interesting. There's a difference between prediction and prophecy. And a lot of, and when you make a prediction, it's either right or wrong. And if it's right, that's a good thing for you, the predictor. But prophecy doesn't work like that in the Bible. When you prophesy that if you don't do this, then these bad things will happen, then you want that prophecy to fail. The best thing that could happen on our planet is for that total destruction not to come. Because we have turned to one another. And our families have been mended back together. And God, believe me, when Malachi talks about this, it is not something he wants. It is not something the father wants. What they want is a mending of society. And I believe if that mending happens, we will see the kingdom move in very powerful ways. You see, there are two ways to think about the end of the world. 
One way is this. Things will go, they'll wind down and they'll get so terrible and so bad that God will finally hit the button, hit reset. Messiah comes. That's real possible. But there's also another way that people looked at it, and, and that was that if we live in such harmony, shalom, and peace, that the Messiah, God, will say, boy, this is a place that welcomes the Messiah. I think it's time to come. Please note that when Jesus came in the first century into Galilee, Galilee was, an ex- it was like the Bible Belt of Israel. It was an intensely devoted, prayerful, scripture-memorizing group of people, and God didn't say, wow, Galilee really stinks. I better send Jesus. God says, man, this is the kind of place where I want my son to live. I want this neighborhood. So there are two ways of looking. One is we let the neighborhood run down and wait for God to do something. The other is with the Holy Spirit we work on this neighborhood as fathers and sons and mothers and daughters together. And the Messiah comes. Interesting story told uh, from 1950. A very famous rabbi had one of his students come and, to him and say, Is the Messiah going to come soon? I mean, after all, the Bible says that there will be a terrible uh, person who will come and will persecute the Jews and that we would also have our own land. And he said, That terrible person is Hitler. And what he did was the Holocaust. But now we are living in Israel in our own land. Doesn't that mean the Messiah will come? And the wise old rabbi said, well, if he came, most of us wouldn't know him. And if he came, we'd argue about whether it really was him or not. And started talking about the conditions in Israel. And then he said this, you see, my son, it is not we who wait for the Messiah, but it is the Messiah who waits for us. There is a way of looking at this thing biblically that says, God doesn't want to have to hit the button Because it got so terrible. God's hoping we'll come together in such profound ways that the Messiah will be welcome. And I think it could go either way. And I think the key is not whether what's going on in Syria or Egypt. The key is what's going on in our own hearts and our own homes. Are they coming together? Are we united with those who've gone before us? Are we united with the ones who have come after us? There's all sorts of ways to have a good relationship, but also have a poor one. Sometimes the break is not necessarily that we have ignored the generation behind us or in front of us. Sometimes it's just what we've passed on and given to them. I heard a story this week about a very wealthy man lived in San Francisco. Drove very fancy cars. Uh, in the city, actually, had a giant house on two lots, which is pretty incredible. Employed thousands of people. And at his 75th birthday, he took his daughter to breakfast, and he said, look, I need to tell you something. I've lived a very opulent life. I've had the best of everything, and I need to apologize to you that you will have little to no inheritance. I have spent it all. Now, that's one way to do it. But I also want to know, want you to know there are other sorts of inheritances that we can give our kids. Or we can just spend it now. I heard another story this week about a family that every Christmas 
It's at the grandfather's house. The grandfather takes each child on his knee, no matter their age or size, puts them on his knee and tells them why they were named the name they were given. And he blesses them and talks about their significance to the family. It's the same thing every Christmas, but the kids can't hear it enough. That's another kind of inheritance. The bad news is we're living in a world that's reaping the results of broken relationship between parents and children. The good news is that can be fixed. The bad news is if it doesn't get fixed, it hurts not just our society, but it affects actually the way the whole clock runs on the whole universe. But the best news of all is this. This topic is of such importance to our loving Heavenly Father that he will not leave it alone. And so we are told by Paul that God sent God's only Son into the world to reconcile all things. If you have any question about whether you're supposed to pursue your relationship with your children or your parents or your grandchildren or grandparents or your brothers or sisters, eliminate that question. It's a slam dunk. Reconciliation is the order of the day and it meant so much that Jesus came to reconcile us first to our Heavenly Father and then to one another. But what if it doesn't happen? What if things continue to struggle and unwind and one fateful day the clock runs out? What then? Well, let me tell you. In the, in the 20th, early 20th century, there was a physician in Poland. His name was Janusz Kruszak. And Janusz uh, became a physician, and as a physician, he took an extreme interest in children. And in their plight. And he began to talk about children and lifting them up. And his theme was children have a right to be taken seriously. And uh, he became so well known that he actually had his own radio show in Poland. And he was called either the old doctor or the good doctor. And he would give out advice. But he went a step further. He didn't just talk about children. He built an orphanage. Took 200 of them in himself. So when the Nazis came into Poland in 1940... Janusz and his 200 children, uh, all Jewish, were moved to the Warsaw Ghetto. Two years later, the Nazis came back with the order that they were all to be put on a train and taken to Treblinka. And what would happen there was already known to all. That would be the end of these children. Janusz was so loved and respected and so needed in this country that freedom fighters and others got together and they hatched a plan. And they could, could get him away. The children would go on the train, but they could safely help him escape. And they talked to him and made this offer and told him how important he was for the country. But Janusz said, I will not do that. I will go with my children. I will not let them die as orphans alone. And he boarded that train, the train to his death. Best case scenario, we turn this thing around. Worst case scenario, things unravel. But the true scenario is either way, our Father 
will not abandon us, will not leave us as orphans.